to Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron. This is Paul, and I gotta say, Aaron, I'm a little disappointed in you. That I didn't go, hello and welcome to Conan with Aaron and Polly. Or start with, like, Crom! <laughs> Bye, Crom! Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's the way to start our Conan-centric episode of Funny Books. Well, you know, I just, I was looking for continuity. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to confuse our listeners. Nah. You know, so. They're confused plenty. (laughs) We confuse them weekly. (laughs) Fair point. Yeah. When does this podcast come out again? Uh. But, you know, this is our very special Conan, Conan the Barbarian centric episode Mm -hmm. in which we're going to talk about Conan the Barbarian, the brand new comic from uh, Marvel Comics that is three issues in. Uh, by Jason Aaron's, uh, who is a writer who was born to write Conan. So, uh, and you'll hear us say Conan and Conan. Yeah, yeah. Get used to it. Um, <laughs> Conan is not a thing unless you're talking about Conan O'Brien. Are we talking about Conan O'Brien? Or, oh, is that like a sneak attack? Well, you know what we'll do is in our special Patreon backers account. Uh, we'll have the uh, Conan O'Brien edition of Funny uh, Books there. Uh, okay. Yeah. So basically yeah. our moms will hear it. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, uh, yes. when did I, I know that you, you nurture a deep and abiding love for Conan. So tell me, how did you first meet the uh, barbarian from Cimeria? Well, I will say... Uh, for me, it was the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie was my introduction. Um, you know, I was born in the late. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was born in the late 70s. Um, so I, in fact, I got to say, if if I'm remembering correctly, my first interaction with Conan may have actually been Conan the Destroyer more than Conan mm. the Barbarian. Um, you know, because as a as a, a child born in in 1979, Conan the Barbarian was a bit too risque when I was two years old. Mm, um, boobies, yeah, boobies and violence <laughs> and things like that. But Conan the Destroyer was a a a friendly PG rated um, movie. And it was a family film. It was so I, I saw that and I, I did a, I did see Conan the Barbarian uh, I, when I was young because my 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 parents. You know, typically introduced us to that type of entertainment and just cover your eyes, um, that kind of thing. And of course, you know, um, throughout the 80s, films like Red Sonja uh, continued the, the Conan love. But, um, you know, outside of that, I will say, uh, even before reading any of the the prose Conan, it was the, the Marvel Comics. Uh, oddly yeah. enough, that that got that continued uh, after watching Conan the Destroyer, which I gotta say, as a five year old, is a fucking good movie. As an adult, it's really not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but as a five year old, I loved loved that movie. Um, you know, it was it was not just my introduction to Conan, but um, you know, at a young age, one of the main introductions to sword and sorcery. You know, there were films like the um, Ralph Bakshi Fire and Ice movie, and my dad was always a giant Frank Frazetta fan, which I guess is, you know, Fire and Ice is is mm-hmm. inspired by um, uh, films like Wizards, um, another Bakshi film, and just, you know, all that sword and sorcery stuff I loved as a kid. I loved reading tales, um, you know, set in, in like a sword and sorcery, more than science fiction, honestly, uh, as a kid. And so... Just the, the the Conan really kind of 
kind of scratched an itch for me. And um, yeah, the the Marvel series was was published, you know, starting in the the early seventies, and I, I think probably. I don't know if it was out of production by the time um, I started reading them, or if I was reading them more in the uh, the reprint um, era of things. No, no, actually, Conan was published all the way from 1970 to 1993, so I, I did probably pick up some of the vet, some of that in its original run. Um, but I just I, I loved the the you know the 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 Hyborian aged stories, and then from there kind of delved into the the, the more prose based uh, stories when I was a little bit older, you know, late, um, I guess, but prior to ten years old, but uh, you know, and then into my early teens. How about you? Well, you know, you kind of mentioned how I got into Conan. Uh, you mentioned Frank Frazetta and th- the uh, Frazetta artwork where he painted uh, Conan. You know, I think I saw it on mm-hmm. on uh, paperback books uh, initially, and then I'd, I'd see it in uh, science fiction fantasy magazines. Um, I, I, I was transfixed by by his depiction of Conan, uh, which got me into the Roy Thomas written Marvel comics. Um and so I, I started picking those up and then, you know, I picked up the paperbacks and uh, have been a Conan fan ever since. When I, I used to work at a movie theater back when I was in high school, which was right around the time uh, Conan the Destroyer came out. And one of the guys that I worked with was a, I mean, just a Conan freak. Uh, you know, like I am about Star Trek, like you are about Star Wars. He was about Conan. And, uh, you know, I remember just listening to him just rail on all of the inaccuracies <laughs> in Conan the Destroyer. And, you know, he, he would just really get into talking about, you know, um, all the, the, the deep canon inside uh, the Robert E. Howard books. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I, I have always enjoyed Conan. And, you know, I really enjoyed the film. Conan the Barbarian really enjoyed the Marvel comics. I had a hard time connecting with some of the other publishers who have done uh, uh, yeah. Conan. Uh, I just I, like I think that that is it Dynamite who had it recently. I think it was Dark Horse that actually had it most recently. Um, who, who they had beautiful covers. Mm-hmm. I just never could get into it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I just I, I struggled to get into any uh, Conan tale that wasn't published by Marvel. Like you said, yeah. you know, the Dark Horse books, I didn't I didn't necessarily care for. And I tried. I mean, there were multiple different relaunches on that and some great art and some great writers. Yeah. Just um, there wasn't a lot there for me to latch on. And I think that's that's part of the 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 trick of writing Conan. Right. Um, is. How do you make that character likable? How do you invest in a long form story with the character when he's his his legacy is are short form stories, regardless of the saga of the Hyborian Age and the the chronology and the continuity and all that crap that your friend was talking about. He, you know, his his basic premise is short. Conan kicks someone's ass stories, right? Yeah, um, without without a lot of you know. <laughs> you know, a long form storytelling from one to the other. Um, you know, it, it's funny that we're having this Conan conversation uh, earlier this week. There's a documentary on Netflix called The Power of Grayskull. And I know you uh, were not a, a He-Man and the Masters of the Universe fan, but uh, I watched this documentary Friday morning. 
And, you know, and, and the reason I'm bringing it up is that He-Man started uh, kind of as a response from Mattel, I believe, is who did He-Man toys, um, to Conan. Uh, you know, they, they, they wanted to embrace the boy market uh, for toys. And uh, up till that point, only boy toys had pretty much, other than G.I. Joe, been based on IPs. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, movies and, and, and things like that. And um, the, the, the producers of Conan gave them a call and they did a line of toys. And then they found out that Conan was going to be this hard R-rated film. And they're like, we, we we can't we can't do that. So like that's not our like we're not going to make money off of this. Um, but they you know it, it, it inspired them to to build this barbarian thing because when He Man first started, he was much more like Conan than what eventually came. Oddly enough, just like Conan via Marvel Comics, who created this continuity that it got adopted by the cartoons and things like that. So it's just interesting the connection there. Um, sure. And you know, watching it was was serendipitous to us having this this Conan conversation. And um, so I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just thought it was an interesting connection. Well, I, I, have, a, I have a question for you. You know, Conan has got, you know, uh, there, there are di- many different aspects of Conan. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know there's, there's Conan the Barbarian. There's, there's Conan the Thief. There's, you know, Conan has all of these, you know, different aspects and different places where he is in his life. And I think that's one of the, the brilliant aspects of what Howard did with Conan is that he had this character with a long life and he could tell, you know, stories out of out of uh, a linear continuity. And, you know, so here's a story where, you know, Conan's fresh down from the mountains of Cimmeria. Here's a story where Conan, you know, is a pirate. Here's a story where Conan is a king. My personal favorite is King Conan. I love the elder uh, Conan, you know, who's a little bit more civilized than, you know, his younger days, uh, but longs for, you know, the, the, uh, the, the ease, the simplicity of, you know, just going out and, you know, taking and killing, (laughs) you know, being a murder hobo. Right. Um, I, I love that, 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 that contrast between, you know, the, the weight of managing the state also, you know, him being a, a warrior. But what's your favorite incarnation of Conan, Paul? I would say, you know, for me, it, it would probably be the younger Conan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the charismatic barbarian. I, I like Conan as a member of an ensemble mm-hmm. more than I do. No more than I well, prefer Conan it, as a solo. I uh, agree. Character. In fact, I, I, that is also true for me in terms of the Robert E. Howard stories, mm-hmm. because Conan is not particularly in his uh, younger days is not very verbal, no. right? And so it's a lot of third person narrative that you're getting in those paperback stories or in those those uh, novellas or short stories. Um, I, I I am really a dialogue fan. You know, when I'm, mm-hmm. when I am reading, I want to hear the different voices. And so you, he's got to have a supporting cast who can verbalize because, you know, I don't, I don't want a chatty barbarian. Right. Uh, I want, I want to hear him go by crom yeah. and then, you know, start, you know, cleaving people's heads. But the, uh, you've got to have that supporting cast. Yeah. To a certain extent, it's like, um, 
it's kind of like Hulk, right? You, you uh-huh. know, and I understand Hulk and Conan are very different characters, right? But you know, Hulk is, of course, a, a very nonverbal character. So you need someone for him to play off of, and that's where you get, you know, your Rick Jones or your Bruce Banners. Right. Um, you know, I think Conan works better when there are other characters who who do the talking for him. Which we'll get into here in a little bit when we discuss the novella uh, portion of the new Conan book. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, Conan's been around for like 90 years. Yeah. Uh, You know, uh, originally uh, published back in 1932 in Weird Tales. Uh, You know, this this is a character with long legs. In fact, you know, Paul, it strikes me that this really ought to be – something taught in uh, high school. You know, this should be one of your options for assigned reading in uh, your, your high school English classes. I don't disagree. You know, I yeah. think it's one of those things that, um, you know, it, it could be along the lines of some of these. I mean, I don't want to say it's, you know, the Canterbury Tales or Lord of the Rings, but honestly, you know, it could fit in whatever um, capacity that some of those things do. You know, I I was taught Beowulf twice in high school. Absolutely. (laughs) So it's just one of those things that I I do think that there's a, 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 I think there's a benefit to, to this type of fantasy literature and and, and its place in a time. And I I do think that, you know, uh, I think your, 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 your mentioning of Beowulf is, is important because, you know, this is very much influenced by Beowulf. It's very much, you know, out of that tradition. It's um, essentially I, Beowulf. I mean, it is. It's essentially yeah. if you took the the the, the trilogy of Beowulf, um, but extended it into ninety years worth of short stories and no and novels and comic books. Yeah. I mean, Beowulf and Conan are very much similar characters. Yeah, I, I could very, very much see, you know, teaching Beowulf and then, hey, here's Conan, <laughs> you know, uh, and, I, you know, it's one of my gripes is how messed up at least my school experience was in public education on what they assigned for reading. Uh, so much of the assigned reading uh, in my high school experience was just terrible. And, you know, I, I say that as someone who enjoys reading, someone who enjoys reading classics. And, uh, uh, you know, I look back on some of the things that were assigned to us. I'm like, what the fuck were they thinking? Like, well, you know, Charles Dickens' Great Expectations. You know what my great expectation was, Paul? That someday the book would end. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had, a, I had a teacher who was very much into S.E. Hinton. And uh, so we read like every freaking S.E. Hinton thing that that you know uh-huh. was allowed within the the coursework. And I can't stand S.E. Hinton writing. And, yeah. you know, I understand that it's about, you know, um, teenage boys and that's the time of our lives. But it's also teenage boys at a different time in history than we were. Sure. And so I just I was never a fan of that stuff. Um, I, I appreciated some Shakespeare, but I did more appreciate I, I learned, I read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings in high school. Yeah. I read um, Beowulf, like I said, twice in the Canterbury Tales. And I love all that kind of stuff. And not just because it's fantasy and, and tickled, um, you know, tickled that or scratched that itch, I should say, um, you know, for me. It was just that I enjoyed those stories more. The King Arthur uh, legends, that kind of stuff. But yeah, ooh, S.E. Hinton, that was rough. Uh. See, my, 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 my cross, Paul, <laughs> the, the, the cross I was on was John Knowles, a separate piece. 
Oof. Dear God in heaven. <laughs> Dear God in heaven. It's a terrible book. I mean, and it, it's one of those things that I hated in high school. Mm-hmm. And and I struggled with assigned reading because I, I don't know about you, but anytime someone hands me a book and says, hey, read this, I generally my back goes up. I'm like, I, I will select what I will read. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> I'm very much the same way. <laughs> um, but, you know, I struggled to get through a separate piece in high school. And so I, I, you know, as an adult, I'm like, you know, there are some classics I feel like that I probably need to go back and revisit. Right. And so I, I did that was a separate piece. And, and my original estimation of that book is on point. That book is terrible. It's a <laughs> terrible book. <laughs> I mean, there is there is nothing interesting about that book. Nothing, Paul. Nothing. And, you know, welcome gosh. to a separate piece with Aaron and Paul. Uh, yeah. Of Mice and Men. I mean, I, you know, there, there are so many. I like, I, and I like Steinbeck. I like uh, Of Mice and Men. I did not like Of Mice and Men. Yeah. But, you know, regardless, we can talk at length about classical literature. But the classical literature we're focusing on today is Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, um, comics. Comics. Well, not you know, and it's funny because for... I Googled Conan the Barbarian and, you know, it, it reminded me of Conan the Barbarian connections that I had forgotten about. Like I knew them, but, you know, I just hadn't thought about them in years. So like, uh, you know, Call the Conqueror is supposedly Conan's grandfather, I think. Father? No, yeah, grandfather. Uh, you know, Solomon Kane, also a Robert E. Howard creation um, with, a, with a pretty solid movie that's on Netflix right now. So I, I just, you know, I, I was reminded of those things, but... We had talked a little while back that Marvel Comics was relaunching Conan the Barbarian um, with, uh, I believe Jason Aaron is the ongoing writer. I don't know if Mahmoud Azrar is the the regular artist or just the artist for the first arc, um, but we're three issues in and just honestly, because of timing, we haven't really had an opportunity to talk about any of them. So we thought now would be a good time to do a catch-up story, catch-up but- uh Oh, but, you know, I, I'll say, you know, from the jump, from the time they announced the series, you know, Paul and I were super excited about this. Oh, yeah. And so it was never an issue of we're not excited enough to read these books and talk about them on the mics. It's exactly what Paul said in that it just timing didn't work out as to uh, when they first came out. Uh, I, first off, Paul, I just want to say I dig how they start the books. You know, the, oh, uh, yeah. the, the, the quote, you know, no, oh, prince, that between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis and the gleaming cities and the years of the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of when shining kingdoms lay spread across the world like blue mantles beneath the stars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Well, and the first issue of Conan, after that that introduction, uh, has a gorgeous two-page spread of all the Conan artists who have come before. Well, and I, I think the important thing about that, as they say in the letters page, is that this is in continuity with the original Marvel run of Conan. Yeah, there's legacy numbering on the cover because Marvel yeah. ended their book at 275. The legacy number is 276 on this Conan book. And their their plan is is that, yeah, you can come into this without having read those books. But if you have read those books, you will get to enjoy you know that ongoing continuity. I think that's great. 
I truly do, because Marvel's run on Conan was epic. And that means that this Conan that you're reading was in a what if issue. What if Conan came to New York City? Oh, <laughs> this very Conan, <laughs> this very Conan. So um, before we get into the, the, the heart of the books, um, I do want to say the covers of this book are drawn by Esad Ribic, who was uh, Jason Aaron's, no, Jonathan Hickman's artist on Secret Wars, I think. Yes. Um, and, and also joined Jason Aaron on a couple of arcs of uh, Thor. Thor. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, obviously it's hard to to replace Frazetta. You can't, you, you can't replace Frazetta um, or Boris Vallejo, but damned if his art isn't just beautiful every every cover i find gorgeous um yeah by esad rebic very much in that frazetta art style but you know not not as pristine and polished as frazetta um you know a little bit rougher than that but in a good way i i think the the covers are are perfect for this book yeah it's very much in keeping with the tone yeah so, Aaron, what did you think, or what do you think so far, of The Life and Death of Conan? Um, we're three issues in. I think the way this story is being told, uh, you know, the, the overarching uh, storyline is The Life and Death of Conan, as titled. Uh, but it is a series of essential one-shots. So, I mean, you could... You could pick mm-hmm. up issue one and you're good to go. You could pick up issue three as your first issue and you're good to go um, because the the story is framed by an overarching issue that uh, we'll talk about in just a second. But each of these stories are individual and tell that slice of life of Conan from from various uh, periods. But, you know, in that first issue, you get, you know, Conan's origin story, you know, him being born on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's a little distressing to see, uh, you know, mom out there who's clearly just given birth, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and you imagine that 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 knife that she has there uh, had been used to cut the umbilical cord. Uh, the artwork, I'll say, by uh, Mahmoud Azrar is gorgeous. Uh, it is exactly the type of interior storytelling artwork that I want to see on a Conan comic book. Uh, and then you move to that second page and it's got Conan as king. Um, I, that is a gorgeous page. It I, really I, is. It, I mean, it is just gorgeous. And it's exactly everything I love about King Conan. Uh, this the, the book just visually is told remarkably well. In fact, I only have one complaint uh, about okay. the artwork. And it's not about what uh, Osrar has done. It's actually about the coloring. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, we know, those of us who have read the Robert E. Howard books and those of us who have, you know, read the other Marvel comics and whatnot know that Conan has black hair. The blackest hair you could have. Yes. It is black hair. <laughs> And the highlights in his hair, uh, you know, to differentiate light and shadow are done in brown. And that is not Conan's hair. <laughs> that is my only complaint because I'm like, uh-uh, that is not uh, – Conan doesn't have hints of a brown in his hair. Uh, you know, you, you really have to go in almost the traditional comic style of making those blue yeah, because which... it, it – it's so black. If you look at the, the 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 art I was just referring to a couple minutes ago, that that features all the prior artists' yeah. take on Conan, it, you can see the blue highlights in the hair. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, nah, yeah, no, it's funny. It's a, it's a good catch because I hadn't really thought about it. But yeah, no, that's a, a solid catch. Um, the other than that, the art is 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 gorgeous. Um, yeah. You know, it doesn't go. It, it is perfect for a fantasy novel, and and you know, he he Mahmoud Azrar has done uh, X Men books and a number of other titles, but uh, I think just like Jason Aaron, perfectly suited for this book. Well, and I really love, you know, one of the uh, the opening vignettes uh, when we first meet, you know, Conan, the actual barbarian uh, is Conan fighting in a gladiatorial style pit. Right. And he's fighting all these other guys. And, you know, it's a competition. And I'm, I'm looking at, you know, how gory it is, how brutal it is. And I, I, I was like, wow. You know, Oswar would be great to do a Spartacus comic book, you know, yeah, kind of yeah. based on that TV show, because um, that that was fantastic. I, I, I really did enjoy the action in that. And, and I thought that uh, without it being gratuitous, it was appropriately violent and gory. Yeah. Well, and I love that he imbues Conan the Barbarian with a barbarian sensibility to his face. Uh huh. Like there are like in the third issue. There's a scene where Conan is being, uh, he, you know, he's got a noose around his neck and they're taking him to the tree where they're going to hang him. To Red Tree Hill. To Red Tree Hill where he's <laughs> going to be hung. And he is just like a maniac, like drooling yeah. at the mouth, ma- you know, wide open. Wild eyed. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's very well done. Um, you know, and, and then this storyline, the life and death of Conan, is about a, a witch. Uh, I think the Crimson Witch is her her name, and yes. I don't recall if that's a character that was introduced, you know, thirty years ago or not. Um, and but she is imbued with power for those from those who have avoided death, and so what we are getting throughout this first arc is um it, you know it, it is kind of this loosely tied together series of one shots where as a whole the crimson witch is you know she's introduced in the first issue as are her children um but she is gaining power from the times that conan has cheated death and so we see that in these first couple of issues scenarios yep. where he's cheated death and we learn that the more Conan cheats death, the more imbued with power his blood becomes. And she's wanting to use his blood to draw forth her demon master. Correct. And, and so, you know, in that first issue, she appears as a uh, wantonly beautiful woman uh, who... Uh, seduces Conan, and of course he's he's not hard to seduce. <laughs> and uh, you know they wind up in, in bed chambers, and and then you know as uh, things are are getting serious, she reverts into her you know old crone witch visage and uh, drugs Conan, and you know mm-hmm. takes him down to to her little underground temple where she's going to feed his blood to uh, to. Uh, some kind of root structure that will, you know, open the gates for her demon lord, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I just love that whole story. I, I love that whole story and and how, uh, you know, Conan just completely resolves that the way to defeat all of the the risen dead that she has summoned up to defeat him once he frees himself from her altar, uh, you know, th- is that you kill the witch. And I mean, he kills her pretty hard. Kills yeah. her hard, Paul. <laughs> 
I mean, you know, just just head hanging off the side of her shoulders. Yeah. Uh, it was great. And I, the, the lesson that, that Conan l- learns is that, you know, the lesson that you or I might l- might learn is that, you know, hey, don't take a strange lady to bed. Right. Now, uh, Conan learns that when you take a strange lady to bed, keep your sword close by. <laughs> <laughs> That's Conan's lesson. <laughs> uh, the Conan. voice is right, you know. Yeah, That's yeah, the thing. Con- the, the, go ahead. Yeah, Conan's my role model. <laughs> <laughs> the voice is right. The narration is right, and you get some King Conan action at the end yep. of, of issue one. And uh, you know, issue two is is entirely a flashback issue before you know, kind of reintroducing a, a bit of that. Um, I don't want to say modern day, but king conan stuff at the end of issue three so uh, i i am i gotta say aaron as long as the this creative team is on the book i'm on board oh damn straight let me say something else that i'm really enjoying about the book is that they've got a map of hyboria uh at the beginning of each issue yeah and they highlight where the story is taking place the kind of a you are here mm-hmm. and i love that it gives you such a sense of the world you know, uh, you know, you can see the places that they're talking about. It's, it's kind of that delicious thing about the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit, where you can always go back to the front of the book and look at the the, the map of Middle Earth when they're talking about a space. You go, OK, so this is where Frodo is. <laughs> you know, I, I, I really like that. It's it makes the world very tangible. Um, and I just I, I enjoy that so much. The second story uh, in which. You know, Conan is hunting the Picts um, and then winds up uh, becoming allied with them. I love that story. Yeah. I thought thought that was that was terrific. You know, it's very much, you know, Conan and the native peoples. You know, they they seem very reminiscent of, uh, you know, Native Americans. Uh, I I dug it quite a bit. You know, the the image of Conan fighting side by side, you know, Cherokee or, you know, uh, uh, Comanches or something. It just seemed really cool to me. Well, and I think that was the intent, right? I think, oh, yeah. they, you know, there are some subtle or and not so subtle, um, you know, nods to, to Native American history in yeah. that. Um, and so, it, yeah, that was a, I like that issue as well. I would say out of the three, my, the first one is probably still my favorite. Uh-huh. Um, but I have enjoyed all three issues so far. Yeah, no, they're all three really good. And, you know, the so in the, the first issue, the Crimson Witch is killed by Conan. And then, you know, there is revealed that she's got, you know, two kids. And I don't know if those are metaphorical kids or actual kids, but she's got two kids who are working in her name and have brought along zombie or what appears to be zombie Crimson Witch. And they have captured King Conan and are taking him down to uh, that temple space beneath the beneath the earth uh, to sacrifice uh, Conan's blood one last time to summon up their demon lord. I, I Paul, this book is fantastic. It is, and you know it, one thing that we we hadn't yet talked about is Black Starlight. Yeah. Um, so they have a, a twelve part novella. It's roughly about two and a half pages in each issue, um, written by John Hawking. And before we get into that to that story, I do want to say um, it mentions at the bottom of the novella for more upcoming and available Conan prose titles from Perilous Worlds, including the prequel to this story, Conan and the Emerald Lotus. Visit PerilousWorlds.com. Have you been to PerilousWorlds.com yet? I have not. I gotta say, it's awesome. Um, so Perilous Worlds, <laughs> it, I, I guess they have the rights to do uh, Conan prose. Uh, 
you know, novels and things like that. But on, but on top of that, what I appreciate about the site is that it has blog posts that are essentially essays about like the, the, this pulp fight type fiction. Um, so you get, if you're a fan of Ed Brubaker um, and his crime comics, there used to be kind of this um, thing at the back, this back matter that was basically like um, a short essay about something in the history of crime, um, you know, crime writing. And the, the the website has that kind of stuff, um, just, you know, more specific to, to fantasy and science fiction literature. So I came across the site and I just started reading all the, the articles on it. And it is, it's a great, it's a great website. Totally recommend checking it out. Perilousworlds.com. I will check that out. I, you know, I honestly hadn't even noticed the blurb at the bottom of the page until you just mentioned it. Yeah, I, I noticed it uh, last night, and I was like, oh, "What's perilousworlds.com? You know, I, I, I and you know, I want to see what other prose books are out there for for Conan. And um, you know, I, I noticed all these blog posts, and I just started reading them. And you know, it, it talks about um, you know, kind of the first female fantasy hero and and things like that. And uh, it's just a a bunch of great reads. Totally recommend checking it out. Excellent. Well, Paul, what did you think of the uh, novella at the back of each of these issues? I actually enjoy it. Um, you know, I, 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 I will full disclosure, like I, when I first read all three issues, I skipped the back matter. And, sure. You know, usually, and I don't know what it is, and I don't know if I'm just if I've if I've gone the the the, the to the dark side and don't read much prose anymore or whatever. But typically, back matter just doesn't interest me in comics unless it is something like an essay about, you know, um, something in history, like, like those Ed Brubaker sure. books that I mentioned. And so I was like, eh, okay. So there's this Conan novella, who cares? Um, <laughs> but you know, I, it, it, because we were recording, I said, well, let me, let me actually read this stuff. And I got to say, you know, I mean, it is, um, you know, it's not going to not, and this is not, um, this sounds derogatory, you know, it's not going to win any literary awards per se, but it is no. a fun, um, story and, and I, I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I generally will skip the back matter in my initial reading of a comic. Um, but there are some that I will read with the comic, uh, like in Uber, uh, Kieran Gillen, am I getting that right? Gillen. Gillen. Uh, he will include, you know, Uber is an alternative history story and he will include his research and what influenced that issue, uh, you know, his storytelling in that issue at the back of the book, which I just find fascinating. It's like a conversation with the author. It's like, hey, I just read your book. Let's sit down and talk about it. I love that. Same thing that I really enjoyed about the Ed Brubaker books was that, you know, he had another expert, you know, t sharing history of, you know, pulp crime. As long as the back matter really fits you know, really connects. It works for me. Like I, I never, I never enjoyed the back matter in uh, Watchmen until long after I had originally read those comics. Right. I mean, I, I think I came to it, yeah. you know, probably on my third reading. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll read this back matter stuff. And then I really enjoyed that. But, you know, part of my issue is that when I'm in a, when I'm reading visual storytelling, you know, in a, in a graphic novel comic book format, it's difficult to transition to prose. You know, your my mind feels like it's, it's ready for images. It's not ready for words. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I have to set it aside and then remember to come back to it. Um, 
I read all three of the Conan uh, comics back to back. And then when I went at, when I was done reading the comic part, I then read the three novellas back to back. And, you know, we're talking about a total of, of, you know, maybe seven or eight pages all combined. Uh, and I thought it was a really fun read. And I, and I like how, you know, because it's a novella and, you know, it, I think if, you know, the two and a half to three pages that we're getting in each comic, you know, is indicative of what we're going to get for the remaining nine issues. This book is maybe 30 pages long. This novella is maybe 30 pages long. And I just like how brief the storyteller is. He doesn't, you know, I, I feel like so many books are packed with a lot of description that's just there to, to pad the pages because it's like the author's being paid by the word. Um, I like how expeditious this story is. And uh, I, I got a kick out of it. And he immediately gives you the sense and sensibility of a Conan story. I mean, within oh, a yeah. paragraph, I, I, that's what I was, what I found so remarkable. There was such an efficiency to his storytelling that I was immediately immersed in the world of Hyboria. I was immediately felt like I was riding alongside Conan on those horses. You know, I, 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 I and I, and I felt like I knew what was going on and he, I mean, in such a, a brief, quick style, he manages to really communicate a lot about Conan, his relationship with the people that he's writing with, you know, his take on the world and where we are in, in the journey of Conan's life. I dug this book a great – this novella a great bit. Yeah. I can't wait for the rest of it. And, you know, it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier that it's Conan as part of an ensemble. Right. And so, you know, the, the other characters and how they interact with Conan um, are fantastic. Uh, and I enjoy the action sequence because the last – you know, let's say it's a combined nine pages worth. Mm-hmm. The last probably four pages are are Conan in pursuit of uh, of a supernatural, what turns out to be a supernatural creature, and um, I, I really enjoyed that the way that was written. I, you know, I I can see it in my head, like the the art the author um, does such a, a good job with that that sequence that you know I, I'm imagining it as a movie in my head. And, you know, not with Arnold Schwarzenegger, just with some, you know, uh, almost with Chris, the, Chris Pratt. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, but John Hawking, who's an, uh, an author I am not familiar with, uh, you know, dedicates this to Roy Thomas, um, you know, deservedly. Uh, yeah. But I, I do enjoy this quite a bit. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's 12 parts. And uh, I think there is another Conan book coming from Marvel. I think it's called The Savage. Savage Sword of Conan. Savage it's Sword a, of Conan. Yeah, which is a return to the uh, the other title of Conan mm-hmm. that uh, Marvel had. So yeah, I, and you know it's got a, a it's, is it Jerry Dugan? Uh, Jerry Dugan is writing it, and the yeah. art I believe is Ron Garney. Uh, yeah. who I, I love Ron Garney. Jerry Dugan, yeah, you know, he's he's a bit hit or miss with me, but regardless, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm I'm afraid of it being too much too soon. Yeah, I worry about it being too much Conan. But regardless, it, that will also feature a novella in the in the back matter. Um, so I, I will be picking that book up, and I believe that comes out. I don't know in a, in a couple months. Yeah, yeah. No, I will definitely pick up the first issue, and and hopefully it is a slice of the same. Though I have a hard time believing that anybody is going to be able to top Jason Aaron, because again, Jason Aaron completely born to write this. Oh yeah. Well, uh, and uh, you know, I say a couple months. Let me c- clarify something. Uh, this is. 
serendipitous. I'm, I'm using the same terminology a lot in this uh, episode. Savage Short of Conan number one comes out this Wednesday uh, at Ooh. your local comic shop or on Comixology, um, if you read your comics digitally, uh, February 13th, 2019. Well, I will pick it up. Yes, me too. And if you guys, oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, you go. You go. Well, I was going to say, if you guys liked this conversation about Conan, we, you know, we don't get a, a, a time to really talk about um, Conan, much less focus a specific episode of the podcast on one book. Um, let us know. Uh, you know, hit us up at Ideology Madness on Twitter, IOM Geek on Instagram. Um, hit us up on uh, Facebook, IOM Geek. And we have a hotline, uh, which Aaron will give you the number for that now. 972-763-5903. By Crom, it's 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the air, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. And Paul. Yes. We need our listeners' help. Yes, we do. We need their five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever they get their podcasts. We need reviews. We need your ratings. Please, please, please go out there and do it. It really helps us out in the uh, Apple Podcasts and other mechanisms uh, selection criteria. Yeah, you know, anything you guys can do to help spread the word on the podcast uh, with your friends, your comic-loving friends, your message boards, whatever. Um, you know, happy to, to, to get the word out on the podcast, and uh, we will be very appreciative of it. And, uh, you know, definitely, like I said, uh, leave us messages on our social media or on that hotline, and we'll we'll have you on a future episode of the podcast. Woo! Well, Aaron, I, I enjoyed talking Conan with you. Um I- I, I did too. I, I did too. Sometime. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.